There's something about flying in an airplane that always produces within me a sense of awe and wonder. I can do it many, many times in many different circumstances, but yet there's just this underlying foundation of awe and wonder within me. And recently I was flying back to Detroit and I found myself sitting next to a man who, come to find out, was a professor at the University of Michigan. This man was a little older than me and he had a British accent and and he came and sat next to me and anybody who knows me or has been listening to this podcast knows that I, I rather sit by the window in order for me to be able to look outside of the window. I just love being able to see what is so big on surface level become so small. And as I was sitting there in the aisle seat and I was interacting with the professor from Michigan to my right that was by the window, he confided in me and he just shared that he really enjoys being by the window. And as we got to talk, we come to find out that we both had this mutual appreciation for just the miracle of flying. And he was just telling me, he was just like, man, it is just so crazy it never seems to fail me. Every single time I'm on an airplane, I'm just so amazed by the fact that we are flying. And I told him, like, yeah, man, I'm the same way. There was just a moment as we were ascending that I heard him say under his breath, goodness, it's magic. It's magic. And I just replied. I said, yeah, man, it is absolutely crazy. It is absolutely crazy that we are flying. It's, it's truly by the grace of God. And after I said that, he he just replied back just with a little chuckle. He just said, yeah, it's something like that. Something about that interaction that I had with that gentleman next to me on the airplane just made me start thinking about the grace of God, the grace of God. I read a book recently. It was by the author Richard Foster. The name of the book was Celebration of Discipline. And in that book, he wrote about how everything, everything in this life is by the grace of God. Everything in this life is by the grace of God. And the author was making a case just for the fact that so often through our entitlement, we we get upset at God for certain things. We get upset with our creator, savior, sustainer for certain things happening the way that they happened or or certain things just being withheld from us. And and we we get upset at God and sometimes we let this hostility, this anger, this confusion that we have towards God build up in us to the point that we miss the reality that we are not entitled to anything at all. That each and every breath that we have, each and every gift that we have, each and every opportunity we have, each and every moment, second, hour that we have is by the grace of God. And he just says this little phrase, he said, everything is grace. Everything is grace. It was interesting to me on the airplane that me and the man next to me were looking out of the same window, looking at the same thing, yet drawing different conclusions. We can either view the chaos through the lens that there is no way that a loving God could allow this to happen. Or we can view the chaos through the lens that everything, everything, in this life is by the grace of God. And so Lord, help me see you, no matter where today finds you. Our God is bigger than the joys, clear skies, the turbulent seas, 
and the broken, shattered hearts that are in a million billion pieces on the floor. No matter where today finds you, may we lean into our creator, savior, sustainer, saying, God, I want to view, I want to view this chaos through your eyes. And so that's what I desire to talk about today on this podcast. How do we view the chaos through sober eyes and not miss God in the process? Welcome to the Color and Chaos podcast. Welcome to the Color and Chaos Podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in today. My name is Jonah Fair, and I'm coming to you from Macomb, Michigan. No matter what has brought you here today, no matter what is swirling in your head or in your heart, there is a color in this chaos when instead of looking through our own understanding or our own wisdom, we lean into our creator, savior, sustainer, the only one that can help us see a color out of the same chaos. And so what I wanna do, I wanna look at the scripture and look at, okay, what does the Bible say about entitlement? What does the Bible say about the reality that we have a creator, savior, sustainer, that each and every one of us is a product of him and him alone, and that we were created by grace, through grace, and that each and every day is an opportunity to respond to the grace of God. And so as we lean into today's episode, it would be an honor for me to to pray with and for you as we just surrender this time that we have to our creator, savior, sustainer, and just asking him to do what only he can do within our hearts and minds today. Heavy heart, no matter where today finds you, you are loved and it is not by accident that you are here. In the book of Proverbs chapter nine, verse 10 There's something that the psalmist writes that is very foundational to this whole idea that everything is grace. Everything is by the grace of our creator, savior, sustainer. And the psalmist in chapter nine, verse 10, he writes this, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. That word fear is better translated into a reverence, a holy reverence, a holy awe. When I'm sitting there on an airplane looking out of my window as everything becomes so little and we're at the mercy of the engines upon this this metal structure, when I look outside my window, there's a reverence that takes over me in the sense that I am under the mercy of a machine, that I am not in control, that I am a participant in a journey. And though I have an expectation of where that journey will lead and where I'm going, even though I had a part to play in the the fact that I got the ticket that gave me the ability to get onto that plane, I can identify what got me onto that plane. The fact is when I'm in the plane, I'm under the mercy of the plane. There is a reverence that I have in the reality that I am not in control. 
The psalmist in chapter 9, verse 10, is pointing towards the reality that in the moment where we realize that we were created by a creator, savior, sustainer that goes so far beyond our limited understanding that has created us by the power of his word and word alone. When we realize that we have been created for a plan and purpose that goes so far beyond anything that we can offer, anything that we can do, when we realize that there is a God that created us, that there is a awe, a reverence, a fear that leads to us instead of leaning on our own understanding or our own ability to try to process this life that has been given to us by the grace of our creator, savior, sustainer. Instead of us doing that, the psalmist is saying that when we have a reverence towards our creator, then we will grow in a wisdom to be able to view this life, view circumstances, view each and every moment and season of our life through the lens of a wisdom that can come only from letting him be the filter that we filter each and everything that we go through in this life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The psalmist is saying, if we want to be able to soberly view outside of our windows of what is going on in our life, in our day, in our moment, in our circumstances and seasons, the way that we look out, the way that we can have a wisdom to view everything soberly, to the best of our ability, it is laid on a foundation of Jesus. It is laid on the foundation of our creator, savior, and sustainer. Jesus says in John chapter 14, verse six, he says this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had known me, you would know my Father as well. And so as the psalmist is saying that the beginning of wisdom is found in a reverence of God, and then it goes on to saying that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding, we know our creator, savior, sustainer through Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. Jesus himself says that if you know him, then you know the Father. So we know that we are able to have a wisdom to view each and everything in our life when we look to Jesus, when we know Jesus, we know that we are entitled to nothing, but we are loved as if we are royalty. In John chapter three, verse 16 says that for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. So God loved the world so much that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. So in order for us to be able to see life for what it is and experience life, not only life now, but life eternally, we have to see it through the lens of Jesus. In Romans 3, verse 23, Paul writes that, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So each and every one of us, we were born into this world with a heart away from God. And because of that heart that is away from God, we can't experience an intimacy with God. That is, unless we come to Jesus, that we have a reverence for who Jesus is and upon him that believe, a belief, a, a surrender to Jesus, we are able to have life. We are able to have life. We are able to have freedom. We are able to have a, a soberness to be able to view everything in our life through the lens of grace, through the lens of grace. 
is not only in that passage in Proverbs chapter 9 that it talks about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The whole book of Proverbs actually starts with that foundation as well. It says this in Proverbs chapter 1 verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and knowledge. The well-known author C.S. Lewis had a friend named J.R. Tolkien, and one of the books that C.S. Lewis wrote in order to help J.R. Tolkien be able to understand theology, understand biblical truths, the name of the book was Screwtape Letters, and the book is a fictional account written in a satirical form of a demon named Screwtape writing to his nephew, Wormwood. And throughout the whole book, Screwtape is just writing about the plans of the kingdom of darkness against people, against you and me. And there's something that C.S. Lewis wrote in this book that, that stands out to me of a truth that goes along with everything that we're talking about. And in this, the demon, Screwtape, writes, make the patient focus on feeling good instead of growing closer to God. Now, within this book, that the patients are you and me, that we are patients to these demons. And these demons are talking amongst themselves. And the senior demon, Screwtape, writes, make the patient focus on feeling good instead of growing closer to God. So often it could be hard to have a reverence for God when we have been through pain, difficulty, trials, and chaos within our life. Through the different emotions that we may be feeling or different hardships that we have endured, sometimes it's hard for us to want to know our God, to want to grow closer to our God. And we as people, we are creatures of self-idolization, self-worship, that we will put our feelings on a pedestal and let our feelings dictate how we grow closer to our Creator, Savior, Sustainer, or if we even grow closer to our Creator, Savior, Sustainer. We let our comfort or our security be the factor of whether or not we will grow closer to our Creator, Savior, and Sustainer. But there's an interesting truth that's found throughout the whole entirety of the scripture, and that is, is that we have a God that cares so much more about our heart than our comfort. And the more that we as people experience what true biblical love is, we will realize that within love, there is a commitment that goes so far beyond a feeling. So often we let our feelings dictate what we do or don't do, or let our feelings dictate what we surrender or not surrender, or we let our feelings dictate who God is and how we see God or how we pursue God. But again, there is a love that goes so far beyond feelings that is based upon commitment. Heavy heart, each and every one of us, that we are entitled to nothing, but yet we have a God, a creator, savior, sustainer that has committed to us that he who has begun a good work within us will complete that good work through the power of Jesus working through our lives. There's something about difficulty and pain and chaos that produces endurance, growth, maturity, and wisdom way beyond anything that comfort can do. We have a God that can use the chaos, 
use the difficulty, use the questions, use the challenging seasons of our life, the moments of uncomfortable. He can use each and every moment of our life in order to produce a growth, in order for us to know him and him alone better and to also have a heart to want to make him known. When you have been loved, when you know that you have been accepted, when you know that you have been forgiven and embraced, even though you know that you do not deserve that, it creates within you a longing to make known what you have experienced. Those that have have been loved by a person will want to yell it from the rooftop about that person. We see this all the time on social media. Whenever somebody's in a relationship and 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 somebody has has loved them well, they they want to tell others about it. It's something within us as humans that we just don't want to be quiet when we've been loved. And likewise, when you know you've been loved by Jesus, when you know that each and everything in your life is by the grace of God, then you have a desire to want to tell other people about it. Throughout the Bible, there's many books that goes upon the whole idea that in life, there will be difficulty, there will be suffering, there will be trials. And one of the books of the Bible that that highlights difficulty and trials, yet God's presence and grace in the midst of it all is the book of Job. And throughout the whole book of Job, you see this man named Job get afflicted by illness, by death, by just different crazy things that happen. At the beginning of the book of Job, you see a conversation between Satan and God. And one of the things that Satan says to God is that he can make Job recant his relationship and his intimacy with God. And one of the ways that Satan hypothesizes that he can make Job recant this intimacy that he has with God is through suffering. And so through this conversation that Satan has with God, Satan afflicts upon Job suffering in the hopes that Job would recant on his relationship, identity, and intimacy in God. And so throughout the whole book, you see Job's friends gather around Job trying to understand, okay, why is God allowing this to happen to you? What is it that you have done to anger, to upset God? In Job chapter 10, you see Job start to plead to God, talk to God, saying, God, I don't understand what's going on, but I am distressed. And he begins in chapter 10, verse 1, by saying this. I am distressed with life. Let me complain freely. My bitter soul must complain. I will say to God, don't simply condemn me. Tell me the charge you are bringing against me. What you gain by oppressing me, I do not know. Why do you reject me, the work of your own hands, while smiling on the schemes of the wicked? Are your eyes like those of humans? Do you only see things as people see them? Is your lifetime only as long as ours? Is your life so short that you must quickly probe for my guilt and search for my sin? Although you know I am not guilty, no one can rescue me from your hands. Through Job's theology, Job is saying that, okay, I don't understand why I'm going through this. I know that I'm innocent, but yet 
my theology says that if I'm going through suffering, then it's because I've done something wrong. And so he's going to the Lord saying, Lord, why are you doing this to me? This is not fair. You know I've done nothing. Why are you just playing this sick game with me, trying to get a rise from me, knowing that I've done nothing? What is it? God, what are you trying to do here? And then he goes on to verse 8. You formed me with your hands. You made me. Yet now you completely destroy me. Remember that you made me from dust. Will you turn me back to dust so soon? He goes on to also say this in verse 13, and this is Job pouring out his heart to God. He's saying, look, in the midst of this pain, this is what I feel like your motive in this is, God. He says this in verse 13, in Job chapter 10, verse 13, yet your real motive, your true intent was to watch me. And if I sinned, you would not forgive my guilt. Job is being honest. He's saying, look, I really feel that right now you just want to play a sick game with me. And you're allowing me to go through this season, this difficulty, this chaos, because you really don't care. You're just trying to play a game with me. And then he goes on to say a little bit more and his friends go back to talk with him. But what's really interesting to me is when the Lord replies to Job in chapter 38. And this is what Job 38 says when God replies back to Job. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorant words? Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you know so much. As the Lord speaks to Job, he highlights the reality that Job does not have the beginning of wisdom that he thinks that he has in this situation. In Job's mind, it appears to be one thing, but yet the Lord has a plan and purpose in this that goes so far beyond anything that Job can comprehend. The God of the universe, the God that created Job, that created life itself, for us to look to him and to say, why are you doing this? And I'm going to raise my fist upon you. God tells Job that you don't get it. Everything that you have is by the grace of me. Everything that you have is by my grace. In Job 42, Job responds to the Lord. He says this in verse 2. I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You ask, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I. And I was talking about things I knew nothing about, things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak, and I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. Verse 5, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. What he says in verse 5 is something that we can carry no matter what we go through in this life. He says this, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. At the end of the day, we are entitled to nothing, yet our God and his grace gives us today, gives us forgiveness, gives us love, gives us an acceptance, a, a adoption within his family, within his kingdom through Jesus. And so yet we do not deserve this life that we've been given. May we not in the chaos, in the hardship, in the difficulties, may we not miss God in the midst of it. May we not miss the opportunity within the pain and the difficulty that we go through in order to grow closer, to not just settle on hearing about God, but experiencing God through the difficulties, through the different seasons and flexes of life. May we be able to lean in and say, you know what, I've heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. We can see God with our own eyes, regardless of whatever you've been through. When we see 
each and everything that we have gone through, good and bad, everything that we are going through, ugly and traumatic and joyful and and beautiful, we are able to see it through the lens that everything that we have in this life is because of the grace of God. And may that be what propels us to know him better and to surrender more of ourselves to the only one that has conquered the grave, and that is Jesus. And may we also have a heart to make him known, to spend our life, no matter what that looks like, how long that looks like, to use our talents, our giftings, our abilities, no matter how long those last, to use each and every day as an act of worship to our creator that gave us life, that gave us grace, and that gives us an overwhelming sense of identity that can never be robbed, that can never be stopped, and that is through Jesus. Heavy heart, no matter what you are going through, either we are united to Christ through his love for us, or we are delusionally seeking a false God of self and comfort. The Bible does not say anything that we are accepted into the kingdom of God through our love for God. It's the complete opposite. We are adopted into the family and the kingdom of God through an acknowledgement and a surrender to Jesus, realizing, my God, it is by grace. It is by grace that I am saved. It is by grace that you have given me life. Jesus says in John chapter 10, verse 10, he says, the thief comes to still kill and destroy, but I have come to give life and life abundantly. Heavy heart, if we want to experience life, It is not found in our external circumstances. It is not found in whatever the thief wants to still kill and destroy from us. It's not found in the things that that are taken away from us or, or given to us, but it's found in Jesus. It is found in Jesus. Crisis and struggles are necessary for our growth and maturity. It's interesting in relationships, there's a phase called the honeymoon stage. When we go through those moments where we cry out, God, why? Why did you allow this to happen? God, what are you doing? Where are you? And the moments where we wrestle with the dark night of the soul, when we can't feel God, when we can't hear God, when we can't understand God, when the filter that we view this life seems to be a filter that is void of a creator, savior, sustainer, that is loving, that is present, that is active, that cares for us. In the dark nights of the soul, it wipes away. It gets rid of that dating stage. And it goes down to what Job said in chapter 42. I have heard about you before, but now I've seen you with my own eyes. But so often we abandon that stage. We abandon that moment of chaos. In chaos, when when the Lord is trying to show us himself and grow our relationship with him and help us see a depth to him that we never could have fathomed or understood before. So often we abandon because of our uncomfortability and we run away from the pain or we numb ourselves from the pain and we miss God in the process. God cares so much more about our hearts than our comfort. Yet so often we run away from him in the midst of our pain, trials, difficulties, and challenges. May we not run away from our creator, savior, sustainer in the chaos, but may we lean into the chaos saying, God, I need you. I need you. I need to see. I need to believe that everything is by your grace and God, that you have a plan even through this. And Lord, I need to see the reality that there is an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. And the enemy is not you. 
The enemy is not you. Lord, help me not fight you. But God, I need to see you. I need to know you. Lord, heal me. Heal me. Help me be able to see you through eyes that are not bloodshot through anger and rage and confusion. But lead me through the peaceful streams, the peaceful waters. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Heavy heart, when you call upon the name of Jesus, you are declaring that God, you are the I am and I am not. Jesus, I surrender to you. Help me know you. Help me see you. Give me a heart of worship. Give me a heart of reverence. And may that reverence, that fear of you, be the beginning of the wisdom that can help me see through this. And help me be able to walk in the way that you desire for me to walk through this. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of all wisdom. And the knowledge of the Holy One is the beginning of understanding. The philosopher Soren Kierkegaard, he says this, It is perfectly true, as philosophers say, that life must be understood backwards, but they forget the other proposition, that it must be lived forward. It's important for us to live life through the lens that this life is temporary, to view life backwards, the the reality that we will die, that there is an expiration date to your life and my life, and though we will die, that we have an opportunity today to walk in obedience to our creator, savior, sustainer, and a awe and a reverence saying, God is by your grace that I have been given another day and to maximize each and every day through a heart of surrender saying, Lord, I want to know you more and Lord, give me a heart for you to make you known because at the end of the day, you are the only one that is eternal and that can eternally save us and give us a life that goes beyond the grave. Paul in Romans chapter nine, verse 20, he says, but who are you, O man, to talk back to God? Shall what is formed say to him who formed it? Why did you make me like this? When we know that everything is by the grace of our creator, savior, sustainer, we are able to lean into the chaos, not through our own wisdom, but through a reverence, a a foundation of a reverence for our creator, savior, sustainer, and a dependence upon our creator, savior, sustainer, and upon his word in order to be the light to our feet and the lamp to our path. And when we do that, we're able to have a wisdom that can help us see through the chaos and to be able to endure each and everything that we go through with a heart of reverence and worship, growing in intimacy with our creator, savior, sustainer, that goes so far beyond an intimacy that anything else on this planet can offer. No matter what you've done, no matter where you are today, no matter where tomorrow finds you, you are loved. You are loved. The way that we view our God will dictate how we view this life that has been given to us. Either it's true that God so loved the world that he sent his only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Either that's true or it's not. For God so loved the world, that includes you and me. What grace, what grace, what grace that sustains us 
that so often we neglect. We are loved. And may that love propel us to walk through hand in hand with our creator, savior, sustainer. No matter what, no matter what this life brings. Lord God, just thank you so much for today. Lord, this world is broken. Lord, we are broken. It's not the way that it was meant to be. But God, somehow you desire to bring good out of bad. And instead of just wiping us all off the face of this planet through our sin and our rebellion to you, you chose to become flesh, to live the life we couldn't live and die the death that we deserve. You became a curse so that we can be forgiven. So Jesus, help us, help us see through you each and everything in our lives. May we surrender to you. May we lean into you. May we trust you. May we be honest with those around us and honest with you. May your word be the lamp unto our feet and the light into our path. Lord, help us see through a lens that each and everything in our life is through grace. That each and everything that you have given us is through grace, is through your grace. Lord, we have an enemy that wants to still kill and destroy. And Lord, we can't understand why certain things are allowed to happen. But God, we can trust that you have a plan through what the enemy means for evil. Lord, you can use for good. You can use for good. And your grace abounds in our weakness. That while we are weak, you are strong. We may not have the answers, but we look to you who does. God, help us have a reverence and an awe and a heart of surrender to you. And may that be the wisdom that we walk through today with. Jesus, we need you and we thank you that what you've begun in us, you will complete. It's in your name we pray and we surrender, Lord. Amen. Amen. Maybe it's my job for my soul to tried and tried a million times to see the brighter side of this but i'm at the end of myself i want to be all that you want me to be but everything's broken in me 
I just need some kind of peace. Oh, oh. Please help me be yeah. all that you want me to be. Cause everything's broken in me. And so I'm wondering if you'll be my peace on this side of eternity. On this side of eternity. This side of eternity. On this side of What is wrong with me? Maybe I'm deranged. Yeah, I feel so alone, surrounded by strange. I just want to know if I'll be okay.、Oh, I need you to know that I'm not okay. Okay. I've tried and tried and tried a million times to fight the poison eating me alive. So I'm at the end of myself. What's wrong with me? Why can't I seem to break free? Oh, everything's broken. On your.
your side of eternity.